The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now on 94.7 The Pulse, the weekly wrap-up and word on the street. This is 11 on Friday. Well, first of all, thank you very much to Dennis for the last two hours of his program. And we say a very good morning to Vic Bongiorno. How are you? Good morning, Mitchell. I'm well yourself. Good, thank you. Good to see you. Um, Looking at that weather report, another weekend of rain, it would seem. Wait a minute, Mitchell. Yep. Wait a minute. I've got to pull you up on that. Rain, it was forecast showers. Rain and showers are two things. Are they saying rain or are they saying showers? So tomorrow, showers developing. Yep. uh, Chance of showers in the late afternoon and evening. Yep. So you're saying showers aren't rain? No. No, no. Showers are a completely different um, mechanical or... um, Really? Yep. Mm -hmm. In an aviation forecast, doesn't it say S-H-R-A, showers of rain? Yeah, showers of rain, that's right. So that's not the same as showers. But a shower has a, has a, a definite shortened length and I can't recall exactly what it is but rain is over a period it'll move in on a front and set in okay okay so showers could be associated with something like cumulonimbus and it's a, they're located in certain areas what we call latitudinal warming the the flow you see that comes up from the southwest mm. hits the warmer land mass and you can get showers out of that I but see. if you get a frontal rain it, it sets in Right now, there are parameters for this, and I probably should know them. But when I hear, see the word showers and I see the word rain, there's two completely different meanings to that. So I should have said instead, it looks like another weekend of precipitation. It, well, look, it's not to say that you know showers can't be quite uh, debilitating for the weekend and your activities. Showers can be heavy showers, and they can be frequent. If you're out trying to walk around or yep. look at the cliff tops yep. or something, it's yep. going to stop you from doing that. Well, putting the washing out is always a good way to bring them on. <laughs> it is. Or washing the car, because usually they come in that afternoon. Well, I don't have that problem. Because <laughs> you've got a white. Well, well I, I just don't wash the car. No. I had an accident, and I sent it in, and the guy said to me, you're a farmer. I said, no, no, I just had a prank so that I'd bring it in so you guys could wash it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, how, that's how I rate washing cars. Do you really cars. Never, never wash the car? Oh, very rarely. Mm. Very rarely. It is white. I think it helps to have white, because white sort of shows up different colours, like the sort of dark brake dust and things from the road. But the other dust that seems to accumulate on the darker coloured cars, you uh, can't really see on a white car. Look, you buy a black car, you've bought a rod for your own back. Mm. There's no question about that. I mean, it looks really good on the movies, um, but black is not a practical colour, as we all know. Yeah, someone in my family <coughs> they had their heart set on a black car, um, and I was with them at the dealer getting that car, and tried to talk them out of getting a black car, but they did. And, you know, they look after it and keep it clean, that sort of thing. Well, and you're passionate about those things, that's yeah. fine. Quite religious about washing it on a very regular basis, but you have to because uh, pretty much as soon, as soon after it's washed, you know, within a couple of days at best, probably even worse than that, it looks dirty again. The only reason I'll have a black car, Mitchell, is if I join the Secret Service, <laughs> which if they see my talent, they might offer me a yeah, slot there. I, I don't reckon know, it could work. Could work, yeah. Okay. So that's good. But yeah, look, I was talking to someone just earlier before coming in here and uh, the number of weekends I've had, both out of lockdown and with good weather, very few and far between since July. We've probably even had this conversation on air, but another weekend of showers. It's a bit disappointing when you want to be able to go out and do things. It it is, it is. But, do you know, uh, I see it from the perspective we've we've had a nice wet spring and um, certainly down at the coast of Apollo Bay, it is a wash. Did you see the photos of the West Bowen Dam? 
Um, well, no, I didn't. The water rushing down the spillway. In fact, that might be a place to go on the weekend and have a look. But uh, it's overflowing. It's over 100% there. Which oh, is, is that incredible. right? Yes. Um, so, <laughs> listener wants to know, did Mitch come down in the last shower? Did Vic rain on Mitch's parade? Who is the reigning champion of the Pulse? Well, that's quite cryptic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Someone with their puns. It's not Scott Morrison, is it? Maybe that's a hint that we're supposed to stop talking about oh, reigning right, champions and okay. get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the West Barn done some incredible photos of the water rushing down the spillway because they've been saying how we haven't been able to fill the dams to 100%. Well, that is over 100% now. They're and outside of the forest. How can you be over 100%? If it's flowing over and spilling over, that's over 100%, is it not? I guess. I guess. What are, what's is wrong that, with that's you today? Interesting. No, that's are interesting. You in that's, an interesting <laughs> that's an interesting perspective because I suppose 100% is right to the very level, top. Mm. Or they could have 100% as overflowing. But as it's sort of spilling over, that's when it's over over a yeah. hundred, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They but have to be over the top. I, I had a, um, I had a property, and I should never have sold it. My first block of land um, was next to the Hillsville um, Marinda Dam. Adjoined it, and uh, that was just the most idyllic place. And um, I thought they grew on trees, those spots, but they don't. Mm. So that was something I'll always regret. It is a lovely spot, Hillsville. Have you spent any time there? Uh, not a great deal. Went there on a family holiday many, many years ago and looked at the Hillsville Sanctuary. And um, someone I know was doing a bit of a retreat out there. It was an interesting retreat, actually. There are, there are quite a few spots out there. It involved not talking for... Two weeks or something? As in no communication, no phones, not even talking for two weeks. That's a problem. I talk to myself a lot. (laughs) Well, apparently, and people don't want to admit it, but the majority of speech you have is to yourself because people do it without even realising. Someone said to me the other day, sorry, were you talking to me? I said, no, just forget about it. You know, I was thinking to yourself. I was chatting away. But, Uh, um, yeah, they went to this retreat. So I drove three hills. It's a nice place. It's a beautiful place. Was it a... of any designation, the, the particular location we were at, or was it was it? Well, was it me doing the retreat? Because oh, I'm, oh sorry, it was someone. Yeah, because I certainly wouldn't need to not talk for two weeks. No, that'd um, be a hard deal for you, wouldn't it? It would, and I'm pretty happy with how I'm going. I don't need to go to those things where you sit there um, for two weeks and think about life and do the very deep introspections and sort of have these vivid flashbacks. But um, other people want to do it, and that's fine. But I don't think. It just it doesn't appeal to me at this stage. Maybe it would down the track in my life. So anyway, I was uh, on travel duty, so I drove them to um, the retreat and uh, went and picked them up after two weeks of not talking. Oh wow! And how were they? Yeah, they <coughs> apparently if you don't talk or have much stimulus for two weeks because you don't have any electronic devices or reading books or anything like that, you've just got you there in nature. Uh, you start to think very differently about the world, and you have these very vivid flashbacks to parts of your life uh, that maybe you thought you'd almost suppressed or you'd forgotten about and I suppose when you're walking through the bush and you're not talking to anyone you get these these sort of new appreciations for where we are in the world and what the the bush is like and the sky and just strange you know, like that. you've got to probably do it just rewinding a, a 30 seconds there, you said no no stimulus. I, I think you get a lot of stimulus if you're not talking because you, you're actually uh, blotting out your normal thought processes mm. by, you know, shall we say staying busy um, It is a diversion. Uh, and when you are not talking, um, those thoughts come back to visit you. Some would say haunt you. Yeah. Um, and that's the big problem with, um, you know, w- with people who 
who have to endure solitude um, forced upon them. That, that would be a, an excruciating experience for me. I don't, so I think solitary confinement should be banned. I, I really do. I, I couldn't do that to another human being. Yeah, actually, uh, because Geelong Jail is now a sponsor of the station as part of uh, meeting the oh, team really? from Geelong Jail. We now, hang on, that's to, the old Geelong Jail. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't think there's a new one, is there? Are oh, you talking about Bowen Jail? The new one's called Bowen Prison, but they're not station sponsors. It's the Geelong Jail. That's who um, I thought Geelong you meant. Jail. That's yeah. who I thought you initially It's only meant. a couple of streets over from here um, up near the hospital. But as part of that, we met with the operators now because it is a museum and they walked us through all of Geelong Jail and we looked at the solitary confinement room and... The Carl Williams room, is there one? No. I don't think he was there. <laughs> I think it's a little bit... But um, what's his name? Chopper was oh, one Chopper. of the infamous residents. Um, mm. But yeah, that was uh, surreal, I think, to see that and to see the solitary confinement room and it certainly gets you thinking about what it might be like if you, what it might be like if you were there for two weeks in solitary confinement. It's... Uh, it doesn't bear thinking about. I, I've actually visited, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will have visited uh, Alcatraz off San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have, you, have you been yes, there? Yes, 2000, we went there. It's a great experience, is it not? Oh, and yeah. The, and, the, and the Birdman's Room, did you see that? No, nah, that doesn't... It was a long time, it was 21 years ago. Well, the Birdman, and they oh, made a movie about him. Um, I'm trying to think who played uh, Richard... Uh, I'm trying to think who played the Birdman, um, but um, anyway, he was a, a chap that had a pet bird, and he lived in this little yeah. room for like thirty or forty years or something mm. like that. And I think he created a personal relationship there. But there was also the, the incredible uh, escapes and breakouts from that um, that prison, which was so difficult to get out of. And one group of three men made up their own paper mache heads. And put them under the blankets and... Had yes, them. I remember that, yes. And they got in there, and they never found them, I don't think. They got into the harbour and... Um... I remember the guy, the person that was talking, and this was 21 years ago, and I was very young at the time, but I remember the guy talking about that, but I also remember them saying with a lot of the escapes, uh, but he got off the island, meaning that he escaped, he got off the island, but you know, once you get into those treacherous seas, you probably get found again and they pick you up, or you probably don't even survive... Trying to swim well, back have you ever shore. seen the currents there? You, uh, yes. Like, very creepy. Well, wasn't it really challenging, engineeringly speaking, to build that build Golden bridge. Gate bridge um, the because of bridge, the currents? Yeah. And people yep. died in the... Pro- well, oh, I suppose yeah. with manufacturing back then, people died with those big projects well, regardless. I, I think they probably died on Empire State, and that's not in the harbour, but mm. that was probably more a reflection on the standards, as you just said, than what... what we have today, but yeah, it was quite challenging. I've walked across that bridge too. Have you done that? No. That was but a good walk. It's things to write down in terms of, because I think a lot of people now are sort of casting their minds to if international travel were allowed, where would you like to go? And what would be your vision for the first trip that you might take out of lockdown? And uh, these are the sort of things you start to think about, isn't it? Is that a question? Yes. I think probably. Under normal circumstances, I would go to the Mediterranean, but I'd be there with half the other rest of the world. Mm. So probably um, back to the Sahara, mm. if I could. I think that's just a mystical place. It's a beautiful place. It's empty, but... Can you go there? Don't know. I don't think so. Now it's politically... And where just, do you, yeah, and where do you just fly into? too hot a potato. Oh, well, you probably... Well in, well, in those days, we were driving down, so we caught a ferry across from Italy, but and down through uh, Tunisia and Algiers, but, um, and then down through... We went to a place called the Hogar Mountains, 
um, and they're about 10,000 feet high. Uh, and I can remember the last couple of days getting up to the top of these mountains. We were averaging about six miles a, a day with a truck. That's how... So you can drive to the oh, top? Oh, well, at the time you could. This is 79. Mm-hmm. And right at the top, uh, there's a two-roomed hut, very stick, thick thick rock walls, uh, and they're dry stone walls. Do you, do you know what I mean, dry stone? They're, not just, they're just stacked. Yes. Beautifully done. Um, a Frenchman, Charles Foucault, uh, built this hut, and he was actually um, um, beatified later, he, and he became a saint later, uh, uh, by the, in the Catholic Church. He was um, patron saint, I think, of the White Fathers, if I've got that right. But the point I'm making is, when we went up there, uh, there was no one there, and all his writings and his garments were still in this hut, just hanging there, mm. which I found I found to be extraordinary. But it's a it's a fantastic place, a mystical place, uh, the Sahara, and it's just full of all these different landscapes. And um, you know, the people that you run into there, the Tuareg people, are just they're just like something out of the Forty Thieves. They're just all. And the climate doesn't phase you. Oh, the, the, it wasn't summer. It was actually snowed in the northern Sahara mm. when we were there, in the Atlas Mountains. Um, no, I wouldn't like to be there in winter. Uh, and sorry, in summer. I wouldn't like to be there in summer. But, um, you, you know, in those days, there was no electronic uh, aids and the road was 10, 10, 10 miles wide. And you just follow the tracks generally south. We should try and find that song by the police tea in the Sahara. Do you know that song? No, no, but hum a few bars and I'll... <laughs> I'm not going to hum it. Um, we'll see if we can track that down. Um, look, moving along just with the COVID numbers today oh, yeah. in the 1800s now. Oh, like. Number of new uh, Tier 1 sites have popped up, including one in Queenscliff. It's a Tier 1 site, uh, the Rolling Pin Bakery down there, which I think a few people have probably visited. Well, Rusty will be on his toes. And yes, he will be. Um, but also, they've got a very good vaccination rate down there. So they have. You know, they're also a bit of a trial, perhaps, for what things might look like in a few weeks' time. And uh, there's been a few schools now. I know Newtown Primary School um, had a couple of cases, um, and then they had to shut down the school. So the kids had just got back for term four on Monday. And I think by Wednesday, they were then shutting down again because there'd been two cases. Isn't that disappointing? Uh, yeah, for those kids, it is. And also, I see Cedar College. Geelong, it's okay. called, at 110 Victoria Street North. Geelong has been listed as a Tier 1 site on October the 4th from 9am until 3.30. So the Tier 1 is a real impulse because you've got to isolate for two weeks. No ifs, no buffs, no buts, no leaving the house for anything, not even exercise or food or anything like that. So do they say how many uh, cases in Geelong totally? Or uh, I should pull that up. I think that information usually comes out about now. Um, so they released the headline figures at about Just wondering if we're going to be locked down or not. That's all. Well, everyone's talking about that and a couple of people I've been speaking to said a few days ago when we hit 16 cases in, in that day, so 16 new cases, they thought we'd be locked down then and we haven't been. And we haven't been locked down when we hit 18 new cases. I think that was yesterday. So... I don't Maybe. know. Are they running us as a little bit of a, a trial for what thing? Because we do have a relatively high vaccination rate down here. Well, so are they running us as a bit of a trial to see what things might look like after November micro, the fifth for the rest micro, of the yeah. state? 
Yeah, micro trial, that's for sure. Um, you, you probably, I think people are sick of locking down. The question is, how effective are lockdowns now? Well, the problem is that you're getting diminished compliance, and this is what people are saying, because I've been talking to a few people in Melbourne, because uh, yesterday it was two people I know in Melbourne, it was their birthdays, uh, two different people, but birthday on the same day. So I uh, sent them a bit of a birthday message and had a bit of a chat to them, and the view is that up there, a lot of people, not necessarily them, are just sort of almost making up their own rules with lockdowns and, you know, having grand final parties and doing things because they're just over it and they've taken lockdowns to a whole new level there in Melbourne. And we've had it bad enough here in regional Victoria, but they're at, what, day 240-something now of being locked down? Well, the fatigue fatigue surrounding it... um, Look, I I think could also sprout from some of their own psychology. Uh, One thing that just... uh, Fatigue comes from just when you're absolutely sick of doing something, does it not? Yep. Or physical tiredness, one of the two. Um, Uh, Yeah, fatigue is a very broad term. It's a broad Mm. term. But mental fatigue surrounding the COVID situation can only be perpetuated by turning on the news at midday and having some menial government representative and I don't even care if it's the state premier going on with the most continual and boring diatribe about 10 people here, lockdowns here, percentages there taking the, the same old questions when we're being deprived of the news of the world by this absolute dirge that people are absolutely sick of. Now, they're sick of that. They're going to go out the door and say, well, stick your lockdown where it hurts because I'm just over it. So the government have got to answer some questions and got to look at their, their own behaviour here. Plus, also, do you know, Mitchell, I got my first vaccination the other day, two days ago. Can we ask you ago, which brand? Which flavour? Mm. Um, I'm happy to say I had two Pfizer's. I had Moderna. And how did you feel about that? Well, obviously, it's a decision I made. I mean, I've got, I've got to uh, be practical. I cannot operate. Mm. Um, but I, I and will, unfortunately, it's the way the world's let, moving. Let now. me move back a step. I would not have had it if I wasn't in business. Mm. Now, the reason I say that, and this is something else for the government to take on board, the way they've always said, "No jab, you don't operate. No jab, you can't get in." That's a red rag. At a bull to me. I mean, that, that's just red rad to a bull to me. That's that's just that's inviting me not to get the injection. I got the injection for other reasons. Because I got, do you feel if someone says you must do it, that's what, it do you feel inclined to? It's be questioning. It's, it's headmaster talk. Mm. It's headmaster talk. Comply or else. I got the injection for a good reason. And it's something that's stuck in my mind the whole time and weighed heavily on my shoulders. And the reason I got the injection uh, was not out of fear of COVID. But, you know, I, 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 would, I would not be flippant or ambivalent about that disease, but not completely out of fear of COVID because no pain, no gain. You're actually going to get antibodies. So to me, and being in my sort of robust state of mind and physical health, mm. um, which is no indicator, I know, um, I, I probably would have had the added advantage of the antibodies. Mm. The reason, it's a bit of a Russian rule, that anyway. it, it is, it is. But the reason I'm getting to this, the reason I 
had the jab was to support my fellow Australians who have carried me all the way through this. That's the that's the that's the people in the shops. That's the people. That's the that's the nurses out there and the doctors out there doing their work. That's why I got it. That's the appeal that should be made to people like me. Go out and be a good Australian and help your friends out. Don't be selfish. Get it done so that we can keep the hospitals open so that people can have that operation and can get to the doctor when they really, really need it. Now, um, that's the reason I had it. Someone should run a tape under that and uh, use it as the vaccination campaign ads because well, it's... Well, that's the reason that I was motivated to do it. I felt guilty uh, about possibly taking up facilities and I thought for all the hesitancy I have about this particular vaccine, um, and I will just point out that they've mentioned just cursorily this morning on the news that the, you know that they're trialling a new uh, malaria vaccine in, in Niger, mm-hmm. another country I've travelled through, um, and uh, which is sub-Saharan Africa, and um, um, that'll take four shots to get the malaria vaccine up and running. Um, end of story. Moved on. Now we should all look at it in that light. But this is well placed. Unfortunately, there's a lot of money backing all this. Now we've got the new Merck pill, um, which has come out and shown a lot of promise. But then I see this morning they're saying no, 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 no. It's actually they're reading all the data wrong. This pill's not doing what it what it should do. Who's right and who's wrong here? There's no transparent forum here, and that's that concerns me. When when a lot of money's involved, like we're talking a hundred billion a year in 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 in. Um, in vaccinations, that's that it, truth does suffer under that under the weight of that sort of money. But looping back, you got the Moderna. Did you have any issues, side effects? Oh, I had a really really sore arm. Mm-hmm. That's my right arm. I actually got the injection in the left arm, which was fine. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't think it was anything to do with. I've st- <laughs> I strained it a while ago. It was giving me buggery, and I thought, well, uh, that's some. Um, you know, if I had had the injection, then I thought, oh, that's that injection. But I actually got it in my good arm, which I felt a little bit of pain, but that was it. Nothing yeah. else. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, it is good to know. And when do you get your second one? Um, in November. Yeah, in November. I'm, I'm slotted for early November. I might try and push it out a week or two because I feel that probably six weeks is a little bit more effective than uh, four weeks. But, but um you know, I'll, I'll read read the climate at the time, and that's only just a matter of personal. But I am committed to the second one, and I will have it. Well, good to know because yeah. uh, you know it stacks up all right. And I mean, also, also, we've we've grown to like you over these last couple of years, and it'd be a real shame to see you there on a ventilator oh, in a COVID ward. Well, look. You know what, Mitchell? I've always been able to swim two laps or, or swim a lap of the 25-metre pool underwater, even at this age. And when did you last do that? Uh, well, um, yeah, good question. Look, I think I probably did it uh, uh, six or eight years ago. Mm. <laughs> it's probably a while ago. It's a little it? while. You might have to go and but, uh, but I do have retake. I have a terrific, terrific lung capacity. That may not that may not preclude me from. Being on, a, being on a ventilator, this is a very creepy disease. And we know that. But like I said to you, the reason I was motivated to go and get that shot was out of the respect for my fellow Australians and those that are carrying me and have, have carried me. That was the sole reason. None of this big stick, you know, that doesn't work with me and it doesn't work with older people. Either. Yeah, that's true. Uh, one thing I was thinking about, and I haven't been telling people to do one thing or another, I personally 
received both vaccinations. It was the right call for me, but it's not for me to tell people what to do. And people wouldn't listen to me anyway because there's that much information out there on both sides that people will make up their own minds. But I do think that at times people are building it up to be more than what it is in terms of the process of going through it. Uh, Because when I went particularly to get the second vaccine, the actual paperwork and filling out the consent questions and six pages of that was more onerous than just getting the shot and being done with it, to be honest. Well, you're telling me something I don't know because with when I went in, it was tick, tick, sign here, boom, gone. Well, it might be different with Pfizer or maybe it was different because I've had mine for a few months now, maybe a few months ago. Oh, now okay. different, but it could have been related to there Pfizer. There was a good yeah. six pages of consent oh, really? questions and filling in your Medica, Medicare details about six or seven times. And then the nurse would then sit down with you and go over all the questions again. And you haven't had any side effects from the last one. And you haven't had this and you haven't had that. Goodness. And then, uh, bang, they do the shot. And the shot's all over in probably two seconds. But that's all that build up and consent questions and filling out forms, that to me was more onerous than the actual shot. As it would be, we all hate that. And Um, even the side effects because the second time around I barely had any side effects or any noticeable difference at all. So really the form filling out, and that was on both times the same forms, uh, that was more onerous than the shot. Both times? Yep. It wasn't just, oh, well, you've already had once. No, here's the form again. Fill out all the same questions again and uh, move on. So that was more onerous, definitely, than the actual shot. And, yeah, there was someone I was with um, a couple of weeks ago, and they had the opportunity to get the shot. And they said to me, oh, they're a little bit nervous. And I had to come in and just reassure them and say, it's, it's all over very quickly. And it's, you build it up in your mind to be something bigger than what well, it is. Well, the hype around this is just incredible. Um, you know, a lot of I- pressure. I've got an employee, he's a good guy, he's decided not to have it. Mm. Now, um, he's working in South Australia. Is that going to be an issue with the yes, government? Yes, it's going to be an issue with anything. He's, 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 his contract finishes up in November, so that's fine. Um, he's working in South Australia, he's not in... in but if, if he was down in Victoria here, I'd have to make a stand and say, look, I'm not forcing you. There's but, a, I've heard a lot of employers, for example, calling up Talkback Radio with the same anguish of having to potentially let go staff that have been good for a long period of yep, time and yep. loyal to the business. Yep. But the government is putting them, and you know, perhaps rightly so, but it's putting them in a very tough position. Well, is it the government? I mean, look, fair work are interwoven through all this too. Someone gets work uh, with you, not vaccinated, and proceeds to... Um, do their daily duties and can prove that they contracted it at work, mm. is there going to be a repercussion for you? Could um, be. Um, there most definitely, I, I think there most definitely would be. Uh, especially where it was a, a prolonged and onerous sickness that could have long COVID involved. And if you were and on the front line, that's the difference, isn't it? If you're doing front line work, which would be seen to be probably high risk as opposed to if you're back of house accounting or something, they probably well, don't with care. With pilots, you know, there's all the aspect, and I tried to explain this to, to the chap that's working for me. He's a good guy. I said, look, I'm not going to say one way or the other, but inspect long COVID and have a good look at it because CASA has been enormously tight-lipped about this whole disease, has not said one syllable at this point, but I'm sure they're watching very carefully. And I think that if you have long COVID, they will look very, very closely at you as the future mm. rolls on. And uh, and so they should too. There's no question about that. It'd be so, interesting to know actually how the virus spreads in a small aircraft, the type that you might be operating, as opposed to a modern passenger jet, which has 
I'm assuming the air conditioning and the cabin pressurization system, and it's a bit different to a plane that doesn't have those features, isn't it? I would tend to think that it'll be a lot safer in a jet. Um, you know, because they've got the filter and it's recirculating. Yeah, I mean, you, so can, many times. you can open the vents and do all that, but I would tend to think that it'd be a lot, lot safer in a vent. I jet. think in a Cessna 172 or 182, it'd be similar to driving people around in a car. That's right. Mm. And you uh, have to say that that's but, been shown not that, to be that safe. But how does the law stand at the moment with that? With cars, with Ubers, yeah. You know, That's right. How does the law stand? I think it will get to a point very soon where the Uber drivers and taxi drivers have to be fully vaccinated. No doubt about it. Uh, but some of the recommendations I've read about that have been completely unworkable. Like they've said, all the passengers in the Uber or taxi have to sit in the back seat. Um, the windows have to be down. Well, hello. Who drives around all day with the windows down the whole time? And if it's raining or nighttime when it drops to five degrees, you know. So it's sort of the, the nice feelings about, oh, the windows are going to be down, but it's just completely impractical. Mm. But for people... Um, Ubers and taxis are actually very important and an important link in the transport system. Well, they tend to, I, I, I tend to think they're, they're sort of looking beyond, they're letting that occur and they're not really nailing that mm. particular industry and saying, this is your guidelines, this is how you, you operate. You can't shut them down because no. people that have, well, even people that have lost their licence because they've been found speeding or whatever, well, unfortunately public transport doesn't cover you for everything. It, it would be called, a, you know, it would be a uh, essential industry in that oh, sense. without a doubt. Because if you don't have that service, you're lost. Mm. Um, and people can't even do their essential, like they can't go to the doctor's appointments. You know, if you shut down the Ubers and taxis, you might be making it more difficult for people to get to a vaccination clinic. That's right. Now, just getting back to the compulsoriness of this particular process and how we're going to work forward through it, um, we do have a teacher that uh, is taking the government to court um, about the, um, the the fact that she's been um, had her human rights um, violated um, by being made to take have the vaccine. Now, um, just getting back to something we touched on last week mm. uh, about the Premier's statement about people having to have the vaccine to get back into Victoria. I see they've change those those guidelines now um, and that um, they are going to go for uh, quarantine which even so could be a bit of an overkill I think probably you know a couple of days each side of the border with tests could be enough given our circumstances uh, yeah I just I don't know exactly how quickly does the virus show does it come up in more the day 13 tests or the day three or four tests look I believe that first week quite a large percentage of it does show up but that doesn't mean you, you can't be in a position um, that would be uh, compromised later uh, in the second week, you know. And even the third week, there have been cases of it popping up. So it's not actually completely fail-safe. But uh, we're only talking numbers here. And we are talking, and it's a matter close to my heart, people who are ostracised in their own country from not getting across the border back to home to see their loved ones. And that includes children and people who are sick and all sorts of things. And I know of a couple of tragic circumstances that have occurred as a result of this. And it's not to say that if that's found to be... If that teacher's found to be um, vindicated in a, in a court action, that there won't be court action 
for the same reasons, pe- keeping people out of the state and the losses that they've suffered. Well, it's a test case then, isn't There's, it? It's a test case and, and the repercussions are large for this government. We have to take a break, but I do want to talk about a couple of things maybe after the break. One, uh, the New South Wales political situation, oh, yeah. because they've got a new Premier. Yep. And two... This is a, perhaps a bit of a controversial one, but uh, the Premier, you may have seen some footage of him. He's been caught not wearing a mask, yeah. um, which to me, it's absurd. Yeah. Not the Do you fact think it was an oversight or was he... It might have been an oversight, but uh, to me, it's absurd that we're this pedantic about it. But at the same time, the pedanticness seems to come from them down. So if you're going to set these rules about masks, you've got to make sure you're following them. So after the break, I want to talk about it. I've got an aspect so on that. We'll just have a think about it and we'll come back. Until midday, you're listening to 11 on Friday on 94.7 The Pulse. Now, Vic, did you know that this is actually Liz's program? She started this program and then asked me if I might want to come in for a week and then I think asked you if you wanted to come in for a week, but she's not here. Liz who? Liz who, exactly. Um, but apparently she's listening today, not feeling 100%, and of course you can't come in with any sort of symptoms. Um, apparently she can't even talk, so that would be useless on radio. But we are thinking of you, Liz, and we hope of you, we Liz. might actually see you at one point back in the studio. Need your good counsel. Absolutely. Now, the uh, situation with the Premier, look, here's what I think about the mask thing. I think to have masks inside and outside is just overkill. I think inside is okay, but I think outside you need to have a situation where if you can maintain a social distance of 1.5 or even if you want to go more, two metres, three metres, um, you don't have to wear a mask. So if you're walking on your own on a beach, you should be allowed to take your mask off. If you're standing in the middle of a paddock, you should be allowed to take your mask off. And from what I could see in the footage, the Premier, when he didn't have his mask on, he didn't really come into contact within you know, 1.5 metres with anyone else. He was walking pretty much on his own. So I would have thought under common sense there shouldn't be an issue, but I think the concern is that they're the ones saying you have to wear a mask at all times unless you're in your own home, and that's a problem. Well, Mitchell, that was all very impressive, and I probably concur with it, but I'm not going to say whether I do or do or don't. Okay. But let me, let me just say one thing. At the outset, you're rewriting the law right there with that. You're mm. rewriting the existing law, which he actually presides over. Right, it was his law. He sets the tar- He sets the benchmark. He should adhere to that benchmark. And to borrow a line from Donald Trump, lock him up. <laughs> That's what I would say. So you would lock throw the up. book at him. I would throw the book at him. Yep. He, well, he's he, he's he's duty bound to accept a fine. He's mm. duty bound to accept a fine, or else it's corruption. It's cor- he does not get off the hook. Yeah. I, mean, right. I think the problem is their own making because they should be realistic about the mask. I agree. And. I think, um, because again, it's like with everything, it just leads to fatigue. People don't wear the masks properly. And my goodness, walking around town, don't you see that all the time? People with the nose hanging out of the mask. Or you go into a shop and they're talking to you and the nose is poking out over the top. And people wear it around their neck and just terrible. So I think um, a bit of common sense. Inside is reasonable. I think you can keep masks inside, although I see that New South Wales is ditching masks in office spaces from the point where they get to 80% doubly vaxxed. You won't have to wear a mask in the office anymore. Um, so they may be a step ahead. But here in Victoria, we're keeping that, it would seem, for the foreseeable future. But I think outside is a completely different ball game if you don't come into contact with anyone. Well, it's looking like they're heading for 90%. They've got nearly 90%, or they did have a day or two ago, uh, single-vaxxed, and I would assume this those people... Geelong or New South Wales? No, New South Wales. 
And I would assume that those people will then follow up. If you had a single vax, you're going to follow up and get it, aren't you? Correct. So that's pretty, they're pretty lofty numbers. And I would think that all, just about all restrictions should be dropped at that point. I'm not an epidemiologist and I don't do all the numbers, but I think, you know what, a lot of common sense should prevail here. It really as depends you, on how you said the vaccine is. Well, we should know that, don't we? Uh, we should know that it is effective. We do, but we don't in a way. Like we know in the short term, but uh, you know, going into next year, do we know how long does it provide with six month pr- protection? Twelve months? It's not that precise. Um, yet. I, I, I'm sure that. Uh, well, that's a big subject, isn't it? And and the third shot, uh, that's a big one. That's a big one. And do we? And how do the you know how does the third world stand with this? And you throw in an odd variant. Did I tell you about Israel? So they had a very high rate of vaccination and you had your green card there if you've been vaccinated, which means you can, it's a bit like a vaccine passport. If you've got your green pass, you can go into all the indoor venues and nightclubs, that sort of thing. But um, they've started to take away the green card from people that have had their second vaccine more than six months ago until you get your booster shot. So that's the pathway we're heading down. Well, that's really concerning, isn't it? Um, and I did say I didn't well, like the, the idea. Well, it is a reality. I, I, and I didn't. I did say I didn't like the idea of the of the terminology of passport. I, I, I have heard. Do you like t- green card? No. Well, I well I have heard the word health pass, which is I think a little bit more workable, a little bit more usable. Uh, digital certificate is the term we use here. It comes up on your phone. It's the COVID-19 digital certificate, we call it. Okay. Um, but that could be anything. You could have a whole lot of stuff on digital certificate. That's actually raising a red flag to me. I don't want to get involved in that. <laughs> Do you know what else is going to go on there, I Mitchell? think we're splitting hairs a little no, bit. No, we're not. What else is going to go on there? What else? A digital certificate. It's just, it's it could be for COVID. Mitchell Die, and it could have all your details and... You know what ice cream you like and everything. It's a COVID nineteen digital certificate. Though. Oh that's well, that's that's different. Mm. Uh, so that's that. Um, now the New South Wales political situation: Dominic mm. Perrottet, the new premier, and it's interesting, of course, to see the different philosophies of leaders. And this has always been a point of debate, isn't it? When it was Gladys and uh, the premier down here, Gladys has stood down. And in fact, the news timing of that was interesting because we just came off air here, didn't we? Mm. And then uh, she stood down. But to be honest, it wasn't a huge surprise. Well, I, I did see on Twitter for the two weeks before there was definitely rumours in circulation. ICAC, uh, I was going to bring it up in that I did see it just as I looked at my phone that she was subject to um, ICAC investigations, which wasn't any news, but it was just reiterated just that morning. And um, she made that decision as I left, as we left the studio. But going back... Do you think that her decision to step back from the morning briefing had anything to do with this? Do you think it was pre- preparing the way for uh, her to step down? What, that morning? Three weeks ago? Like three uh, weeks prior? Well, sh- mm. do you remember how she did that? Yeah, no, do I Do you think, think that so. might have... Well, I can't, I'm, I'm a sort of suspicious kind of guy. Why would you step down and then come back? So this no, is no, what, well, she just said, I'm not doing the daily briefing on back. COVID. They backflipped. Because what happened was they said they're not going to be doing the daily briefing. So then the state opposition up there said, well, if you're not going to do a press conference, we'll do a press conference at 11 well, o'clock. she was caught out by that and, and then she, she had came to come back. back. She yeah. had to come back. But do you think that there was anything in that initially? No, I think it was just more a media strategy around um, how they were going to deal with COVID. And clearly they got to a point where they had that many cases. And it's a bit like the, the situation here in Victoria. We've had so many cases over the thousands 
for days in a row now that, you know, what new information can you possibly tell us? Yes, we're in lockdown, we're under these restrictions. Yes, we've got a roadmap to come out of it. Um, it's not so much a day-by-day, hour-by-hour situation anymore, is it? It's not, and I go back to the what I call the, the dirge and the diatribe we see at midday when we should have good, healthy news across the country and across the world, we don't. Well, there you We go. get someone standing there and we get hand signals next to them. So now, I think it was just a media strategy now, now, by her. I don't think there was anything now, more... more. All right. That. Okay, we'll, we'll let her off hook on that one. But Are you convinced? Um, no. Um, look, I, I, I'm not convinced that she didn't have an agenda. And but what does she have to gain by not doing the daily media conferences for three weeks and then resigning after three weeks? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Oh, well, it, it builds up. It's Well, I think it's, it's a progressive step back from her position and she thought that was going to happen. So she decided to prepare the... And suddenly, just not, not being there one day oh, was going I to be see. a little bit more of a shock to everybody. But listen, I'll... Cut you some slack on that. You may be right. No, I'm just. Did you watch through. her speech, the farewell speech? Yeah. What yes. did you think? Uh, Anything stand out to you? I'm a kind of suspicious guy. I've already said that. Oh, I don't know. I've got a feeling I might, <laughs> I might say the wrong thing now. Yeah. Well, what stood out to you? Well, what stood out to me was the clarity of her speech, the the the, um, the energy with which she spoke and the directness with which she spoke. It seemed to be devoid of any emotion. There was not a tear in the eye. I really thought the voice to me sounded like she was sort of choking up a bit. Okay. Well, that's something that I didn't quite pick that's up on. But, the same, the but, but, but I think it possibly was a, a choreographed um, speech and I do think probably she's trying to slip the shackles of uh, I. ICAC Every and speech is choreographed. Well, I'm I'm talking in a, in a different sense now. Just just let me make my point that I think that possibly she's going to have a swing at federal politics, and people will forget very quickly, and they've already chosen to forget her involvement. Um, you know, with the mm-hmm. with the inquiry, is, is it going to go any deeper? Um, if you put your hand up for federal politics, though, wouldn't the opposition be really cross-examining you and scrutinising you and saying, well, oh, you're well, corrupt, how can we have you in the well, federal Well, of, of course they will, but I've just sort of tried to illuminate the fact that I think probably the New South Wales electorate have already forgiven her for, for her misgivings there with her with I her think a lot of people have, and I know from reading online, the people that are inclined to support Daniel Andrews are saying, what's going on here? She's not been found to be corrupt, but there's investigations uh, by ICAC looking into that situation um, and she's getting this great ride through the media and great coverage about how sad we are that she's gone whereas Daniel Andrews, they say, he works well, tirelessly the day there? and night yeah, but what's for What's the difference the there? What's the difference there? That We've got one Premier that's under investigation that has decided to step down one Premier that's under investigation that's decided that con- not to step down. Has that been confirmed that he is under investigation? Well, he, well, well uh, the New South, the, sorry, the Victorian, the, uh, the firefinds, the firefinds, yeah, the, the IBAC investigation of the firefighters union has got a lot of got a lot of questions for him, and there's going to be some quite, you know, specific revelations as a result of all that. But they're angry, the Daniel Andrews supporters. If you read it, they're really getting stuck into even as they do media outlets the that have in the past been sympathetic towards the Labor Party. They've said this is an outrage that you're giving Gladys such well, no a free, free ride. Rides. No free rides, guys. I mean, I don't think they are giving Gladys a free ride. She stepped down. We keep 
tending to forget that. She's, she's, she, she's fallen on her sword a bit. But they're saying you shouldn't glorify that and say, oh, how good she was, and you're sort of normalising corruption then, they say. Oh, I don't think anyone's. I don't think anyone's glorifying her. I don't think that they're normalising corruption. What they're doing is normalising corruption here in Victoria. I think that there's so many questions and there's so much duck shoving of questions uh, at these news conferences. I'm not going to answer that. That's under investigation. He's been saying that for years, not just months, years, and he's a he's a master at that. And we, the, you know, he's rusted on supporters. Will always cut cut him slack in that sense. Well, everyone's got rusted on supporters. Um, I see Tim Pallas and Brett Sutton. Are providing a COVID update from right now, 11.50 a.m., but the Premier is not speaking. Mm. Um, and I assume that's just, he seems to take Fridays and Saturdays off and well, then come back go. on Sundays. Mm. Um, I don't think that'd be avoiding questions about that. masks or anything like that. And, you know, he can uh, he can easily um, push away questions if he has to, so I don't think there'd be but, any. But, but, but this will be, uh, let's just, for everyone listening... Let's just see his response not wearing that mask. Yes, it'll be it'll like be that? the typical duck shove, ducking off. Well, I you know la la la. I, I don't know how he does it, but he does do it. It'll be very interesting. Mm. I'm looking forward to seeing how they do that. Yeah. All right. Um, or maybe he might surprise us and say, "No, that was wrong. I did the wrong thing, and I'm going to cop my fine." And you know, this is an example that if I can stand up and say I did the wrong thing, then every Victorian well, that's, should. That's what he should do. That's you know, exactly what he should. Maybe do. he'll surprise us. Um, but what religion is he? The premier. Yes. I've got no idea. Oh, that's strange. Well, you know which one the the New South Wales religion is. It's been you? very highly. Uh, yeah. Why public. is that? I've got a friend who calls it the, uh, and he's a cleric, this man. He mm. calls it the uh, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism of the intelligentsia. You know, it's very, very common to lambaste someone because they're Catholic, might have nothing to do with their work. I think it's a good thing that they've got a religion. doesn't matter, Muslim, Jew. I mean, would you say Dominic Perrot uh, is a, um, would you then follow up and say he's a Muslim? There would be an outrage, Mitchell, if that happened. There would be an absolute outrage, you know as well as I do. Yeah, but I think it does come from the side of politics that they see that their particular values it doesn't, doesn't align with Catholic it. values. doesn't justify it. And that's the challenge. doesn't I mean, justify it. Um, and, that, and that can be seen across the board with, the, with, the, with some of the uh, legislation we've seen recently. I don't want to bring up the same-sex marriage debate again, but I no, did see it was strange that... Um, uh, Kyle Sanderlands, radio presenter in Sydney, said that he would ban Dominic Perrottet from coming on his program because he was against same-sex marriage. And uh, I just think that's odd, given that that was a debate that happened years ago and the laws changed in Australia and people, for the most part, from what I can see, have just got on with their lives since well, these that things time. Are, these things are very unfortunate and it's about human rights. Uh, but it's, it's odd, I think, to be same, bringing up that debate all over marriage. again. That's about human rights. Especially when it's a federal decision and it's on the state government. I'd rather have him on to talk about state politics rather than well, federal politics. Well, we're not going to move ahead as long as someone like that... Uh, is it Dan Sanderlands? Kyle Sanderlands. Kyle Sanderlands. I don't know him. But as long as someone keeps perpetuating that, uh, that um, same um, um, anger, if you like, uh, we're never going to move past this. I mean, people have got the right to vote yes, vote no, do what they like. But the same-sex marriage was a thing about human rights. It was, it was, it, we, we, sh- we need to move past it. We've had the right vote for Australia. People Australia, voted and we've moved people, on. We've, we've had the right vote. We've had the right result. And, um, but Kyle Sanderlands is perpetuating that, that same 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit very unfortunate. And when it's a federal political, but even to bring Angst. up a debate from years ago um, and then ban, I mean, I, I would never on my program, not that anyone has been desperate to come on that I haven't liked, but I would never ban a politician who's been elected by the people to come on my program. I don't care what side of politics they are, which well, political job, party they are, that's if they've that's been that's elected by the people. And in fact, I try and have them on even if they haven't been elected by the people, but if they've decided to nominate and run for office, I think people listening are entitled to see who they are and make up their own mind but rather than me telling them who I to find vote it for. particularly... Uh, 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 it's upsetting to me to see Dominic Perrottet Catholic. I mean, you know, it's just, it's pathetic. But I think some of the language that he's been using has been quite interesting, um, particularly on, for example, the, the difference of approach to communicating decisions. So here in Victoria, it's very much, it's the health advice, we follow the health advice. And Dominic Perrottet actually came out and said, no, uh, we're the elected people here, the buck stops with us. So we have to take everything into consideration. But ultimately, because we're voted in by the people, uh, we are accountable to the people. And I think a few people looked at that and said that is a welcome change from some of what we've been hearing where there's been this tendency to just say it's the health advice and almost avoid accountability. I can't recall. Um, it's still very much in the... I can't recall. I can't recall. It's still very much in the early I'm days. sorry, I don't remember. It's the very early days of his leadership and it might be the honeymoon period, but... Um, it's interesting let's to see, just the, see the language. Let's just see that he's got the he's got he's up for it and he's he's got the chutz bar for it. I think he does. Good. I mean, anyone that's in his position now, he would have been coveting this job. You'd have to imagine for some time. People that go into state politics and federal politics politics are ambitious people. Um, people that go into local government probably always see themselves being the mayor one day, don't they? And people that are in federal politics and state politics probably always see themselves as being the opposition leader or the prime minister or the premier. So they've probably coveted this position and now they've got it. So they'll be ready for it. Mm. We'll take another break and uh, come back to wrap up. So think about what your last word might be. Okay. And then we'll go to the midday news. Can I just say Tim and Keith uh, were in that local Legends promo. They're coming up at two o'clock this afternoon. Great people. Tim and Keith recently graduated from the Pulse Broadcasting course and uh, okay. started a program and it sounds like it's going from strength right. to strength. So Do I know them? You might. Yeah. Um, so tune in from two o'clock. Beautiful. Local legends. Look forward to it. Last word. Last word. Aussie kid from Tumba Bloody Rumba. Chris Boshusen. Blasting off next Tuesday on Jeff Bezos. Hopefully next Tuesday. Jeff Bezos Blue Origin Rocket. Okay. into outer space and uh, in company with none other than William Shatner. Yes, and he's 90 years old. Yes, going and very energetic. And I just think it's a wonderful thing that, that this, this man from Tumbarumba is, this young man from Tumbarumba is probably about 40, I'd say. Thoughts and best wishes um, from the Pulse, from this radio station. Go to Chris and we'd and love to interview him when he gets back. Yeah, and if it does go to plan and all that, what a great thing it will be, changing space and making it more civilian than well, it's, what it's been it's in the past. it's setting the future, isn't it? It's just, it's starting to happen. Certainly is. Look, that's it from me. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah, I'll talk Mitchell. to you on Friday and good we'll talking, be back on always. Monday from uh, 9 o'clock from Mitchell's Front Page. Have a good weekend. The Mitchell's Front Page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.